This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. You know, as a person of color, I had to make the conscious decision to be present and not constantly chase the next thing, right? So like the same energy I give to my losses or when things don't work, I'm going to celebrate when great things happen because I'm constantly chasing the next opportunity because there are very few far and in between. Hi, folks. Welcome back to the Inclusive Collective. I'm your host, Nadia Butt, and I'm joined with my buddy here, Rob Hadley. Hey, Rob. Hey, Nadia. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited about our first episode. Can you believe we're here? Yeah, no, I think uh, I, I think that we've accomplished everything there is to accomplish here, just just by being here today. <laughs> I think so too. And to say it all started with the idea of of of, of we, we initially wanted to start with like a book. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that you know I, what I've what I've said is that you know the reason I'm doing a podcast is because I'm just way too lazy to write a book, right? And <laughs> but that doesn't really apply to you. For you, you're actually writing something else, right? You're, you're PhD. supposed to be. Yeah, you're supposed to be right. So maybe you're maybe you're lazy, too lazy to do it yeah, as well. But totally. you're too lazy to write two things at the same time. Hundred percent. Right? Even yes. that one thing. <laughs> so that's excusable. I'm just yeah. just lazy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, so I think this is kind of a cool thing because we can share that we actually started out with this idea of like, oh, we were going to write a book around the startup kind of process and journey through a diversity and equity inclusion lens. But then the idea kind of formed into a podcast. And so, you know, we can talk about what that looked like. Um, yeah, yeah. Some would say we're very successful entrepreneurs as well. I I think so. I believe it. (laughs) Some would say yeah, so you know, and, and today we're going to start uh, as we go into our first episode, and we as we start our journey through the world of startups, right? So we're talking about ideas and idea formation. And so one of the things that we talked about is that startups are really just ideas in search of a scalable business model. Mm-hmm. Someone sees a problem, something that's missing in the market, or something that's annoying to them, and they have an idea, and then they set out on a journey to solve that problem for the world. So and they like want to close the gap in the marketplace that they're in. Right, right. And and end up creating a business in the process, right? And, you know, to build that business and to make their vision a reality, startup founders typically have to convince someone to give them money, whether that's customers in a new market mm-hmm. or investors. And diverse founders can have a tough time convincing people that their idea is a good one, right? Mm-hmm. And that their problem is something that's worth solving. Right. So today, let's start from the very beginning. What is it like when someone has, uh, sees a problem or has inspiration? Uh, and, and then they start to form an idea. And what does that look like for diverse founders and startups? Yeah, absolutely. And we're so lucky to have our guest, Melissa Michener, with us today. She is the founder and CEO of the Bark Shop, a premier pet care company based in New York. Um, Melissa also created the New York Institute of Pet Grooming 
And if that wasn't enough, which let's face it, it is, but she also uh, was listed on the Forbes Next 1000 in 2021. Wow. Really excited to have her here with us today. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, Melissa, welcome. It's, it's great to meet you. So thanks for joining us today. Uh, we really wanted you to be our, our first guest and open up this particular season of Inclusive Collective because we're talking about startup ideas and venture formation and, you know, how people see problems, uh, have ideas about businesses they want to start in order to solve those problems and the actions they take to go ahead and get those things started. So, so let's just start there, right? So tell us about a little bit more about the, you know, how you got started in uh, the entrepreneurial world and the bark shop and what was the inspiration there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always say I stumbled into the the pet care industry. Um, I did not grow with any pets. I didn't know anything about pets. I had worked for Best Buy for a little over 10 years and they did a reorg and I decided to leave the company. Um, with that, I decided to pursue my degree in middle and high school education. I was watching a reality spin-off show called Chicago Licious, which is a spin-off of Jersey Licious. And there was an episode where this woman was saying, like, where she took her dog, how she liked it. So I literally saw that show in May. Um, I remember this because I was headed to class. And in my last class, I just kept looking up, like, the pet industry, dog grooming, how fast it was growing. And I was like, <laughs> wow, I think this is truly something. Mm-hmm. By the end of that week, I had found a grooming school and decided, like, okay, this is what I'm going to sign up to do. Uh, within 90 days, I found, you know, an actual location in Harlem where we are, emptied my savings, had a meeting with my family. And 10 years later, uh, here we are. And I just launched the New York Institute of Pet Grooming to standardize and professionalize the next generation of pet groomers. Oh, my God. So that's amazing. I do want to ask a little bit of follow up there, right? Because most people, I mean, so I don't, I've never watched Chicago Licious or yeah. Jersey Licious or, uh, you know, most people turn on like, of, reality. I watched a lot of reality. <laughs> I haven't seen it all. She's very familiar. <laughs> but, you know, so I, I watch, you know, like most people watch a reality show and you say, you know, these people are crazy and they, you know, change the channel. I mean, this really led, led to you changing your whole life. So I guess we're, were you mm-hmm. thinking about, entrepreneurial, like you said, you were finishing up your last class where you're kind of saying to yourself, this isn't, you know, my path or this isn't where I'm going to go and looking for ideas or was it just really just a moment of sheer inspiration? So I think it was just a moment of sheer inspiration. I had no desire to be an entrepreneur. I did not see this coming. I literally thought I was going to be a high school principal and open my own school. But I will say that I'm always curious Um, And I'm always intrigued by just people in general. Like, I love people. I love ideation. I love, like, exploring things and just learning just random, weird, new things. And I think that because my family, I wouldn't say they were trying to deter me from, like, emptying my savings and, you know, starting going into something I knew nothing about. But I think it was, like, a 50-50 split. I had so many people like, oh, this is so cool, like, I'm so inspired by you, like your fearlessness and just jumping in. And then I have people like, girl, is she having a nervous breakdown? What's <laughs> yeah. happening? You know, so I think that I was like, I got to make this happen. I'm a Scorpio, right? And there's no plan B. At the time, I was living in the South Bronx, which I'm not sure how many people are familiar, but it's actually the poorest congressional district in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the average person in that area lives on sixteen to $20,000. I was living in the project. And I was like, at this point, it just can't get any worse, mm. right? So 
I might as well just go for it. And and that's what I and did. You didn't, and have, was, you didn't own a dog. And I didn't own a dog and I was afraid of big dogs until one day in nice. grooming school when my uh, instructor said, you do this. It was a German shepherd. You do this German shepherd or you going home. And I'm like, well, I just paid $7,000 cash. I'm going to watch this dog. So <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're asking, can I, can I get a Maltese or something? <laughs> yeah. You had mentioned that you, you know, you 50-50 split from like your your family and friends. But like, tell, like walk us through that process because I would imagine you like, you know, go get kind of like the learning around what this industry looks like. You don't really have experience in it before, but you have skill sets from like previous experience. You said like at Best Buy and like your education. And then like, who did you lean on and who did you tap on and what did that, what did that look like? Yeah. So I would definitely say I tapped in and leaned on Google, right? <laughs> like what do you Literally, mean by that? Yeah. Like what, I like... just Googled everything. I, so I still to this day, like Google so many things that sometimes I source things on like page 26, right? But I've sat there for like three to four hours trying to figure things out. I think definitely as a person of color, particularly in the pet care industry or just business in general, we don't necessarily have the access to capital or angel, you know, angel donations or money or fundraising and things like that. So I had to really bootstrap and get really strategic around launching the company. So like my menu was created in my living room with my friends. Right. And we mm -hmm. were like, we literally came up with the names and I was like, how does this sound? Or, you know, I went to grooming school with the intention of learning the industry because it was something I didn't know anything about. But I knew that I wasn't going to be a groomer per se, um, but I wanted to understand, you know, what it took to be a groomer, the the context of everything, just the nature of the business overall. Um, my background was in supply chain management and human resources. And I think that that's my sweet spot. Like, I love developing people. I love uh, innovation and, you know, bringing my dreams into fruition. Sometimes it could get a little crazy, right? So I need people to say, like, you're making this up and this is what it actually takes. Uh, that is or is not possible. Mm -hmm. um, but I just have fun in creating. When I got to the pet care industry, I mean, in grooming school, immediately I noticed, like, it was myself and my friend Natalie, who now lives in London. We were the only people of color in that mm -hmm. room, oh, right? Yeah. Um, it wasn't something that I wasn't used to because when I worked at Best Buy, I was the youngest and only person of color from New England mm -hmm. all the way through to North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So when I go into spaces where there are not people that necessarily look like me, I think that's an opportunity for me to shine a light and open the doors up for more people that look like me, mm -hmm. um, but also, you know, being that foundation and that's my sole purpose now, just mm -hmm. continue to recruit open doors for people of color, open doors for single moms, open doors for people, you know, within the pet space that only think, you know, maybe they could only be a vet, but you could be an amazing dog walker mm -hmm. or an amazing groomer. You know, that's my sweet spot at North Star. And I think that's what drives me every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I, I really wanted to push on that piece, right? So high-end pet care in New York seems to me to be like a male, white-dominated world, right? So if you think back, uh, you know, and, and also the fact that you're not a dog groomer, right? Or you weren't a dog person, you didn't grow up with, with pets. Right. So one, uh, you started to touch on a little bit, but how was not being a dog person 
uh, advantageous in terms of looking at the industry from a new perspective. You also talked about being an African-American woman and how that was advantageous. And then conversely, was there anything about those early days that made you think, I don't belong here? Um, or did anyone, <laughs> did anyone try to tell you that you didn't belong there in, in that particular uh, world? Yeah, so I definitely would say my confidence started at home. So when I, I remember, so the building that I'm in is a co-op and I had to like, there were so many loops and hurdles. And the one thing that I said in the interview is that I wanted to be a pillar in the community because I felt that people can't aspire to be what they don't see. So I had no qualms with like being the only person of color. I'm still, you know, to a certain degree, the only person of color. I like for you to tell me what can't be done and I'll show you how it can be done. Um, I look at no's as not right now. Now, when I look at the industry, I would say I'm definitely happy to be a part of a forward thinking industry when mm -hmm. it comes to like diversity and inclusion. But we definitely still have a long way to go. I think the misconception is that, you know, there are not a lot of people of color. But the reality is, from a line level perspective, when you look at legacy companies like Petco, PetSmart, it is people of color that are in those roles, right? So when mm -hmm. you go into grooming salons and store manager, retail store managers and things like that, it is people of color. But I think there's more opportunity when we start looking at the C-suite, when we start looking at boards and board seats, we mm -hmm. need more people of color in those rooms. I think we're seeing a shift when it comes to marketing. Uh, we're seeing like commercials now that are a lot more inclusive with people of color and pets. So, you know, we have some room for opportunity but I think that as an industry, we are looking at, you know, what does diversity and inclusion look like? It is still at the top, very white European and male dominated. What about from your client perspective? So if you were, you said you're in your, you know, your flagship is in New York. Um, how would you describe your client base and, um, and, and their needs or their pets' needs? Yeah, so I'm in a very mixed demographic. I can go one block east, and I may have people that are on a fixed or set income. I can go one block west, and people have a disposable income. They may just say, charge my black card, whatever it costs. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's not about the amount of money that you spend, right? Uh, I tell my team all the time, you know, we're in a pandemic, right? I think people are starting to forget that. We're still in a pandemic. We have, like, global wars going on and just different things. Yeah. Within, you know, 10 minutes, if we added a smile to someone's day, our job is done, right? Um, I think the other thing is I'm really big on community. Community is, is the centerpiece of my company because before I had an awning, right? When I tell you I bootstrapped this company, sometimes you started with no boots. Like, I didn't have an <laughs> awning, right? So everything yeah. was word of mouth. It was people in the door were like, oh, just go see Melissa on 115th Street. So... Whether you have a dog or you don't have a dog, if you ever come by the bark shop or just see me out in the community, like the running joke is I'm the mayor because I talk to everyone, <laughs> yeah. right? Like literally. And, and that love, you know, I was that weird girl outside of Starbucks standing next to people, you know, dogs and guerrilla marketing, like, hey, I have a dog in <laughs> the salon. But out of that and through that, there's so much love. And like people, like people would see people with dogs and like, do you know the bark shop? You got to go to the corner, you know, like even if you don't have a dog, even if you don't have a dog. And, yeah. and that for me is everything. Right. It yeah. just says the impact of the human connection. And, you know, I always say where where two legs go, four legs will follow. 
And that's just been great for us. Like everything that we do, we're building community with pet parents. We're building community with at-risk youth. I want to get kids excited about the pet care space. So everything that we do, we're building community. Yeah, there's so many great thoughts there. Uh, Just learning about you. And then as you just were talking now, you know, so I'm a dog owner. And when you first get a dog and you meet people in the dog world, they're really into their dogs. They're not totally into people sometimes. (laughs) And I feel like you're really into people. And I think that, I think that not being a dog owner has that perspective. You were, you were talking about putting a smile on the customer's face, which is the actual dog owner, right? Making their, their life better, solving a problem for them. Mm. Um, what, to what extent do you think that has anything to do with, uh, with your success? I think it's a hundred percent of everything that we do. So the best thing that I learned from Best Buy, I always say that was the first business goal I ever went to. Um, because we really believed in world-class service and that's something that we really pushed. Like, yo, you know, my team will tell you some of our core uh, values is go the extra mile. There's never any traffic. Mm-hmm. We talk about, you know, servicing both ends of the leash, right? Because both of them matter. Um, I think we're in a space where we have to make pet parents comfortable. Dogs are not looked at as backyard animals. Like these are members of people's family. These are people's mm-hmm. children, right? So we want to make sure that pet parents are comfortable and empowered. And then at the same time, um, we definitely, from a wellness perspective, we've transitioned to a wellness company and thinking about the well-being of our staff. Because as you said, most people that are in pet care typically like the pets. They're not really into the humans, right? <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yeah. How do we empower and think about the well-being of, you know, our staff? We have, you know, mental health resources. I talk about having a therapist. Um, because there's so many things deeper layered around just pets and, you know, social emotional components and empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's definitely what like dogs have shown me that empathy, that compassion, that love, that unconditional love. Um, so how do we do that and tie that into our services, into our experience? You know, everything from, you know, the the music that we play, we have this theory around like floor to ceiling observation, right? And what is that experience from the floor to the ceiling in our store? Mm-hmm. Um, from the time you walk in until the time you leave. Sometimes this morning, I just walked by my store and I'll stand from across the street to see what that experience is like, you know, from the opposite corner and things like that. So, you know, and I always laugh like, oh, I'm running a real business. I have a real company, you know, yeah. with 25 people. Like, even now we have a, a global team, right? I have a team in the Philippines. I work with people in oh, India. Wow. I work with people in Jamaica. Yeah. You know, things like that. So I think that's important too, because it allows you to have a global perspective and you can kind of incorporate that into your business. How do you make sure everyone, because that's interesting too, you're like global. So how do you make sure everyone's kind of aligned on the mission and the value that you deliver to the, the customer? Yes, it starts with me, right? So leadership starts from the top. As a CEO, and it cascades through the organization, uh, the Slack channel is very lit. <laughs> We're <laughs> yep. always like communicating, texting, connecting, you know, yep. connecting, Asana. You know, as a CEO, my job is to enroll people into the vision of the company, right? From clients, strategic partnerships, um, employees, anybody that we bring on. So sharing my vision and really having clear expectations and understanding if this person can deliver. Now, has it always been rainbows and butterflies? Hell no, right? Mm -hmm. I've had moments that have knocked the wind out of me. You know, I just told someone the other day, 
I've been over for 10 years and like things are finally starting to happen with the seeds that I planted. But if I accumulate the amount of money and losses, mistakes, not having access to industry expertise or the right people prior to me going to something like LEAP or me just stepping out and saying what I needed, I probably lost over half a million dollars. Oh, wow. What, what, can you just tell the listeners what Leap is? Just because I, I don't, yeah. So, know. Leap is one of the top pet care accelerators in the country, in the world. Some would, say, some would say the top, right? Yes, the <laughs> top, the yeah. top. Yeah, see, that was, I'm humble, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. the top pet care accelerator. Um, and that's where I really like learned about venture capital industry experts and expertise and continuing the vision mm-hmm. of the workshop and the New York Institute of Pet Grooming. Which Yes, what a great segment. Yes. Can, I, can I just because you're you're telling you're talking about your experiences of raising money and some of the troubles that you had previously, but you have bigger ambitions, right? Yes. Uh you're gonna be back there. Um and I'm also thinking about, you know, again, you go back to the very first idea, the workshop, you're not a you're not a pet owner, you you get the inspiration, you start it. It's not necessarily something that's internal to you, at least at the start of it, right. but this is very much about you, right? This is very much about you looking around that industry and saying, you know, I want to bring more people in that look like me because it gave me uh, an opportunity. So talk more about that and, and what you're trying to do there. And I'm really excited to, to hear more about that because I think you can see that that has so much potential. Yeah. So, you know, for a long time, I kept hitting the same bottleneck with trying to scale the company. I was like, we are the groomers, man. Mm. And I started realizing like there were these generational gaps. One of my mentors, he became a mentor, Sam Cole. He's the godfather of the pet grooming industry, but he also established six of the pet grooming schools that existed across the country, mm-hmm. which I previously attended. Mm-hmm. And I think initially he thought I was joking. I'm like, you know, I want to open a school. And I just kept coming back to him. And he was like, all right, you're serious. And I started sharing my ideas and people were really excited about the expansion of the bark shop. And I'm like, I could take your money, right, and try to grow this company, but I also have integrity and I know that it's not going to work. So I have been working on the school for about three years because I needed, one, to learn about venture capital, right? And, you know, for me, I was uncomfortable with taking other people's money. I was like, "Mm, I don't really know about that. So I needed to learn about that world. Mm -hmm. I wanted to really train and standardize the the pet grooming industry, right? Because I had met all these great groomers. And they kind of saw it as a hobby. I saw the industry was growing super fast. I was working with the Board of Ed and um, alternative high schools. And I'm like, kids, they like trade schools are so important, right? Mm-hmm. Like college is not for everyone. The pandemic happened. And I was like, all right, let's scratch the whole like brick and mortar. Let's create a hybrid education model. Uh, we're going to partner with other pet groomers salons, right? We all have the same pain point. So we created a, a satellite partnership model. And let's really blow this out the water. I was inspired by the Peloton. Um, I'm I'm one of the many people over the pandemic okay. who got a Peloton. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, the bike is the bike, right? But it's the people. It's it's what we create. So it's then like I that community. Or, that community. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I had already been teaching at our industry expos and conferences. And, you know, sometimes you don't. You don't see yourself or think about yourself outside of yourself. But people will be coming up to me and was like, wow. You know, your your seminar was so good. Can I keep in touch with you? Can you consult for me? And I was like, 
we can just give people this. Like, we can make the next generation of pet groomers. You know, I always say, like, my legacy is not what I leave behind, but it's what I leave in people. Mm. Right? And, like, I forgot how the African proverb goes, but it's, like, you can teach someone how to, you know, give them fish, but you can teach them how to fish, and they'll be fishing forever. Whatever it is, mm. I want to teach people, get them excited. I want them to, you know, create their own companies. If they want to go work for someone else's company, I want them to feel well-equipped to be the best pet groomer in the world. You know, not only in the United States, because pet grooming is international. I want to create the best pet groomers across the globe. You have this sense of like, you're such, it seems like you're a lifelong learner. Like um, you value education, you value learning, you're a visionary. And I feel like you're putting those things together from something that you're really passionate about. You're a mentor by nature. I know that like you've been on a lot of panels talking about mentorship and leadership and vulnerability and so forth. Um, so I'm not surprised that this is something that you're diving into and, and really wanting to expand on. So like, I always look at things as an opportunity. I'm, I'm very transparent in the fact that like, this is the industry, right? Like, I don't think we really talk about, or I even talk about like color as much as pet parenting, mm. right? Like, because I think that's the beauty of pet care and, and, and what I've seen, especially being in such a mixed demographic, I've seen people that would never in their daily life communicate with each other, but their dogs would pull them to each other mm. and they would just start conversing yep. about the dogs and the breed and, you know, where they like to go, what they like to eat. Yeah. So I think just pets in general, it's a beautiful space to be in because uniquely it brings people together, right? Like, the running joke is like, I probably would not remember your name, but I know your dog's name. Yeah, it's so true, right? You know, we have some great things in the pipeline. I can't announce this yet, but we're going to be doing some great things uh, coming up in Q2 and Q3, empowering pet owners, looking at grooming as wellness, right? And grooming as healthcare, um, because a clean pet is a healthy pet. That's our tagline and shameless plug I love right that. now. Yes. Um, plug away. Yeah, definitely. You know, we have some great things coming and I would say I haven't even scratched the service surface of what I'm going to do in this industry. Uh, yeah, I think there's a perfect place to actually uh, launch those things with our, ex you know, our extensive uh, listenership. So I think, you know, you sure you don't want to break the news right now? <laughs> I can't break the news, but I have a new box shop website coming, the New York Institute of Pet Grooming, nyipg.org. Check us out. If you are in the pet space, we're always looking for strategic partners. If you are a venture capitalist, I don't need money right now, but I heard the best time to raise money is when you don't need money. Um, so I'm looking to raise some money. So I would love to have some conversations. We want people that are forward thinking as partners. I don't just want your money. I want some thought leadership. I want to be real strategic and innovative. Mm. And is that is that raise uh, or, you know, you said you don't need to raise, but is that for the, the expansion of New York Institute of Pet Grooming? Yeah, so this is for the expansion of the New York Institute of Pet Grooming. Um, and we will be launching uh, version two in April. So we, we're coming out of beta. It's been great thus far. And we have so many things on the horizon. Love it. I can imagine you get a ton of interest there as well, because it's just, a, I mean, coming out of the pandemic, that that industry is just booming. Um, and, you know, the way that you uh, kind of set it up and talked about it in relation to Peloton, it, it's just really exciting. I think that it's going to be huge. 
Thank you. Yes, it's a great time to learn a new skill set of trade. There's going to be half a million more pet groomers entering the industry by 2023. Uh, the grooming industry is actually going faster than the, the economy, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Wow. So if you're looking to switch careers and do something that you love, <laughs> this is the space to be in. Yes. <laughs> so... I think this is a good time to wrap up, but we have two questions that we want to ask you um, that we ask all of our listeners, or, sorry, all of our guests. <laughs> um, <laughs> what diversity, equity, and inclusion advice would you give to an entrepreneur entering in the startup space? I would say know that you you deserve and uh, are more than equipped for the seat at the a seat at the table. Um, don't get caught up in your gender or color or any of those things. Get caught up in what you bring to the table. Um, and you can do anything, right? Like I truly, I, I know that's not, but you can truly do and be anything. And don't, don't, don't be afraid to take up space and ask for what you need. Cause people don't know what you need if you don't say anything. That's great. Awesome. I don't know if you're feeling this. I don't want to speak for you, but I have been feeling, um, because I think I'm in this like social activist world and my my work is centered around diversity, equity, inclusion. And you mentioned earlier, like, you know, the the global kind of things that are happening, conflicts, war. Also, in addition, what's happening in the U.S. Um, from a social injustice and inequities that we just see every day in the workplace. I would be curious, how do you re-energize? Like, I'm struggling with that myself. Like I'm struggling with showing up every day and I want to, and I want to show up for the people that need me. But at the same time, when I'm, when it's at night, it's like, it's exhausting and draining. So how do you re-energize? What do you do? So one, I have an amazing therapist. <laughs> um, I think that's super important. I have a standing appointment every two weeks. I will tell you the only time that I really felt like you know, what am I doing this for? And kind of was like exhausted was during the Black Lives Matter movement because I got so bombarded with all these emails and these companies want to work with me and we want to tell your story and, mm -hmm. you know, all these things. And I'm like, well, where were you, you know, before these things happened? And I was just like, I think, you know, as a person of color, I had to make the conscious decision to be present and not constantly chase the next thing, right? So like the same energy I give to my losses or when things don't work, I'm going to celebrate when great things happen because yeah. I'm constantly chasing the next opportunity because there are very few far and in between. So I had to make a decision to say, you know what, we're going to do it anyway, mm -hmm. right? It may take me a little bit longer. Um, and then also TV time is important. So my friend, that's a running joke mm -hmm. of my friends. Like when, when this TV time, I'm not responding. Um, I'll go like these binges for, you know, yep. a couple of hours and then I feel refueled. I love wow. that. I, I, I benefit from that. Just right. You, what you just said right there. So I hope other listeners will too. So thank you for sharing. Thank you. Sharing oh, that. and sorry. Yeah. One more thing. Something, a great tip that my coach gave me. So I, I recently adjusted my schedule to start at 10 a.m. Um, so that I could give myself two hours in the morning for myself, right? Mm. Whether it's mm -hmm. working out, um, I have this, uh, journal, it's called a two minute morning gratitude journal and you write like three things. So I do that. I'm reading, oh. um, this self speaking, you're speaking to my heart <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm reading this book, um, bell hooks 
I can't remember the name, but anything Bella Luke's read, because I bought all of yeah. her books. She recently just passed away. Yes. But um, I think just as a person of color in America, it's exhausting, right? Um, And you just got to, like, find your tribe. You got to believe in yourself, you know. So many people are committed suicide, sadly, that I keep hearing about. And, like, all these things are happening. So, like, I have post-it notes everywhere. Uh, just, like, positive words. I swear we might be, we literally <laughs> might be twins. <laughs> yeah, like, positive words yes. of affirmation. Um, yeah. taking, a, taking account for the energy that you put out and then knowing to step away when you're not in a good space and you can't be a good friend or you can't be the best version of yourself and saying, like, you know, right now it's not good for me to, like, interact with anybody. Like, my solitude, those moments mean a lot to me. That's great. Nadia, I feel like Melissa has has kind of leapfrogged me on the friends <laughs> list. I feel like you're kind of, like, like Rob thought like, he was I in was like here my tier. And I was trying. I was. He I've been was climbing like up. The, two. Like climbing I, up I and working so hard. And and one one hour with Melissa and she's I, up there. Yeah, she's vaulted. She's, but that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. I'm sure that happens to a lot of people. Friends, Melissa, more and more so. friends. Life is about making friends. <laughs> Business is about making friends and relationships. So and connections. Yep, I agree. So Melissa, how how do people find you? I know you gave the Bark Shop, but how else can people find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, You can definitely visit our website. You can email me. It's simply uh, melissa at nyipg.org. If you see me in the street, you know, don't be afraid to talk to me. If you see me in the airport, no matter where you see me, I'm friendly. I don't bite. I love people, actually. So, you know, always looking to strike a great conversation. Melissa Mitchner, we thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your thank time. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be, you know, kicking this off and I'm, I'm going to be tuning in as well. Welcome back from our non-existent commercial. Um, so at this point, we, we wanted to have some reflections from the conversations that we had with our guests. Rob, what'd you think? So kablam, right? So Melissa's a lot of fun. It's great to talk to her. I learned so much. Kind of exactly what what we were hoping for when we reached out and wanted to have Melissa was talk about those those early days. She has such an inspiring story about the early part of her venture formation, uh, which again, keeps growing and growing. The thing that really jumped out to me, Mm. again, like all the different iterations, right? It's very agile. Uh, I think about, she talks about that first 90 days sitting in her living room with her friends and writing out what, you know, the menu of services. And I can just guarantee you that whatever she wrote first, she tried it really fast. And then if it didn't work, she tried something else. Right. And then, and then she talked about going to the pandemic and trying mobile and and adjusting that product. And then, and you can guarantee that that she's doing the same thing with her new venture, which I think, uh, you know, has a potential to be much, much bigger. Absolutely. What I love, I mean, aside from her incredible and infectious energy, um, I I look at like her, her, like the skill of being this like leadership and this visionary person. And, and like you said, being agile, but like connecting that to her strategy and her overall kind of mission and core values. I think she had said her core values is like, go the extra mile. That's like what they want to do as an organization. And I think that speaks a lot to her ability to connect with people and share with whether it's clients or potential clients or her community in general. Like it's not just about selling a product or a service. 
for her, it's like building these relationships and building, like delivering customer, delivering value to the customer, but at this um, level that is really about engaging and relationship building and community forming. So it's, it's really incredible. Yeah, she could probably go on. We could do a whole episode with her on just talking to your customers and learning from your customers and connecting and being part of a community. And so the one thing I think is, I think there's something about her that was really interesting to me, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, and I think that's very important is she had a great market, right? So like the market she was in, fast growing, she had the inspiration, the idea, but she always just took action, right? Like all of her stories are like, I, you know, I had this inspiration and then I just did it. I just, yeah. I just took a leap. And you can tell there's a tremendous amount of grit, determination, mm -hmm. and energy that she brought to this. Um, and I think that's really important in the early stages of any startup venture. Yeah. Would she say she like formed this idea in her apartment on the apartment floor with her friends surrounding her, just kind of brainstorming all these like different names for the her company? And I, yeah, it's incredible. It's really yeah. I mean, I think incredible. entrepreneurs. Right, so uh, within 90 days, right? So. You know, some of the things that we, that you see with entrepreneurs is that the reluctance, right? So they have an idea and they want to polish their business plan and they, they want to make it perfect. 90 days, inspiration to launch and then iteration, boom, 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 over and over again. And, and yeah, I think and that that's the practice that she keeps doing with all of her new ventures. All of them. You know, we see that with her um, grooming truck business now and, um, and then also the New York Institute of, of Pet Grooming. Phenomenal. Yeah, so, so couldn't have been better. Loved it. And uh, I think that our listeners will learn a ton from Melissa. Absolutely. And we'd love to know your thoughts. So let us know what you think about our chat with Melissa uh, about startup formation, ideas, and solving problems. You can find us on Instagram, all other social media, or a lot of other social medias, not all of them. Mm -hmm. Inclusive Collective is a production of Refilion Media. Thanks for joining. I'm Rob. And I'm Nadia. We'll see you next week.